have uh, been part of God's church probably in most cases your whole lives. And as uh, you've gathered uh, together in worship, you've heard uh, pastor after pastor often open uh, that message with those words, grace, mercy, and peace be and abide with each of you. And I think it's like some things in life, you hear them so frequently, so regularly, they just don't sink in anymore. They kind of go in one ear and out the other, and I just want you to slow down for a minute, soak in those words, and understand what it is that is being extended to you, not just through me as that representative, that shepherd of the Lord that I stand here as, but it reveals to us again exactly what we need. We need grace. We need that which is indeed undeserved that he offers us. We need mercy, which is that he will not give us what we deserve, his wrath, his punishment, judgment, eternal condemnation. And it doesn't take long to consider our individual lives and the world and the society that we are a part of today and know right away we need peace. In our world today, um, people want peace and harmony. We want it in our families, we want it in our communities, we want it in the nation, we want it in the world. And it seems um, right now a need for personal security and peace is even more heightened. And some of that is because of events like El Paso, Dayton, Parkland, Orlando. And the sad truth, that list could have gone on for many, many more cities and places. Americans, my friends, are hungry. We are hungry for peace. Uh, here's a, a question to maybe pose. How many of you like conflict? Yeah, about what I thought. I think pretty much most of us are uncomfortable with conflict and tension and, you know, that, you know, being broken in the midst of a, a relationship. We don't like it. Matter of fact, we even hate it. It makes us uncomfortable, it turns our stomachs, and we just can't stand it when it seems to hang over our head and even on our hearts. As the youngest of five, you can imagine what our household at times was like, even with a strong disciplinarian, both mother and father. There were arguments, there was conflict, and Mavak, those of you who know Stephen and I, we're the closest in age, and man, did we fight. <laughs> I, I mean, I think the, one of the lines I heard from my dad, maybe almost more than anything for a period of time was, would you two stop arguing? We fought. There was a real lack of peace between us. But, my friends, I have to say that I can still even, when I conjure up some of those arguments, and I have some of that kind of um, photographic memory, but it's not on really the important things in life, 
And it takes me right back to those emotions and those feelings of, you know, how it felt to be in the midst of that conflict or that tension. I didn't like conflict. Matter of fact, I think I tried to avoid it, and at times I would try to be the one who would somehow, you know, uh, bring some kind of reconciliation or bring peace to the situation. I didn't like conflict, not only when it involved me, but I didn't even like it when it involved others and I was in their presence. We need peace. For many, conflict is so uncomfortable and so disliked, we are willing to gain peace at all costs. Now, on the surface, that sounds great, doesn't it? And matter of fact, we will think to ourselves, and it's true, that is godly. I mean, it's what God wants us to have and to enjoy. But Jesus even says, blessed are the peacemakers. And as we think about the peace that we need, keep this in mind, Jesus also said, you know, that we are to love our neighbors. And how do you love them when you're in the midst of conflict with them? Well, at least not very well. And how about him saying, love your enemies? Indeed, it leads us to that point of peace at all costs. But you see, our despising conflict or tension in relationships can lead us to the fallacy or the fallacy of peace at all costs. We are willing when we do that at times to forsake our values, our beliefs. Know anybody like that? You know, people that are willing to back off of what they know to be true, what they believe, and I'm not even just talking about spiritual and, and our relationship to Christ. People are willing to back off just for the sake of peace and tranquility. Or how about it leads us to not living as Jesus has discipled us, saying, speak the truth in love. Or, or how about, you know, uh, disregarding the Lord's teaching through Paul when he says, do not be conformed to this world. But often that's what we are allowing to happen when, you know, we are willing to do peace at all cost. Or even saying, my comfort, my earthly peace is most important. Or it's enough. That's all I need. Just a little peace in my life. See, there are some real dangers to us being willing to, you know, have peace as we might describe it or define it here in this world at all cost. Now, today's gospel reading from Luke seems to throw you and me a curveball this morning. Here, Jesus said, I have come to bring fire on earth. Do you think that I have come to bring peace on earth? No, but division. Now, that is not what I was expecting from Jesus. And I'm almost certain that would not be what the disciples who were with Jesus then, what they were expecting him to say about bringing fire on earth and about you know, bringing you know, this kind of division. So what's going on here? Well, sadly, our view 
or our expectations as believers don't always align with what is reality. These words of Jesus reveal this reality. How about this? Jesus asked this question, do you think that I came to bring peace? And he says, no. But what is he saying no to? Jesus, my friends, did not come to fulfill our wish list. Jesus did not come, you know, uh, to you know, bring us uh, peace in this life so that we can live our lives as you and I want. See, we have to dig a little bit deeper as to what kind of peace we're really looking for and what kind of peace Christ is offering and has brought into the world and offers to us. Today, Jesus, as he is headed towards Jerusalem and the cross, he is dreading what lies before him, suffering, crucifixion, death. Now, you might think to yourself, well, if I knew where I was headed, and I knew how I was going to suffer, and I knew I was going to die, I'd be dreading it too. But it's more than that. It's not just the physical torments, or because he would endure the wrath of God, or, or even you know, be forsaken by God. There's more. It also includes one of the side effects of the gospel, and that is division. Now, the gospel is not about division. The gospel is about peace, peace between God and man. But division, it's the fault of sin. And that division, that sin, is what causes Jesus' death. Divisions that reveal this, either you are with me or you're against me. You know, that's not something I think we like to hear, is it? Uh, because we want somehow to be able to, you know, soften the message of, you know, only Jesus saves. We, we live in a world where, you know, we are willing to somehow, you know, think, well, you know, God is a God of love and, you know, therefore he'll accept us just as long as, you know, we believe something or we believe in a God of love. The truth is, it brings division. It is true what Isaiah said in his prophecy uh, that Jesus is the Prince of Peace. And the night he was betrayed, he came to his disciples and he said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. And then after his resurrection on Easter night, he came to his disciples and he meant what he said when he said, Peace be with you. For you see, Jesus brings a peace that the world cannot give. Jesus offers a peace that transcends all understanding. Real peace. This peace is peace between God and man. It's a peace in believers' hearts. It's the peace of knowing that our sins are forgiven and some would like the gospel to give world peace, a utopia on earth. 
you know, what's that uh, line in the Miss America pageant or Miss Universe, you know, what is it that you would like to see or to do if you were Miss America? And, you know, was it 90% of the time the answer is world peace? But let's be honest, it's not possible. Not in this world, not until the end. It's not going to happen because of sin. Jesus divides like nothing else, even more than politics. Some will believe and some will reject. Some will refuse it. Some will be with him and some will not. And ever since the fall into sin, there have been divisions in the world. Adam and Eve were divided against God and divided against each other. The Israelites, as they were in Egypt, were separated from the Egyptians and Pharaoh from, on their own. You go through the New Testament, you continue to see there are those who believed and those who didn't, and it caused divisions. Matter of fact, Simeon, when Jesus was brought to the temple on the eighth day, remember what he said? He said there that he will cause the rising and the falling of many. So that's why Jesus says, I came to cast fire on earth, and how I wish that it were already kindled. That the fire, my friends, it started when Jesus was crucified and died on the cross. And it has been burning in this world ever since. Jesus didn't want division and strife. That's why he said in this reading, I wish it were already kindled. I wish it were over, basically. The saving work he's wishing were completed. He dreads the cross and the divisions that will come, but praise God, he doesn't hesitate to go to the cross to bring that reconciliation. For Jesus, he's determined, he is committed, and he loves his people. One of the most painful effects of the gospel in this division is in families. Jesus gives us this example of a, a family of five, against, you know, two against three, father against son. It's no pretty picture. Nothing divides a family like the gospel. This is probably where it hurts us the most. We have a loved one who has, you know, rejected or walked away from the faith. Well, my dear friends, a couple of examples. Anna, well, she was raised in a family where she was taught to think for herself. She was taught to believe that there is no God. She was taught to understand that she could only herself bring peace in her life and peace in the world around her. And yet a friend invited her to go to worship. And she went back. And she went back, and she was baptized. Anna was thrilled. Her family could not believe what she had done. Her family rejected her. Her family ridiculed her, and ultimately her family rejected her. 
Elfaki Hassan. Elfaki was a member of my church in Nashville. Elfaki was given one day on a street in Sudan a Bible, and he says, I still don't know why I took it, knowing that I put my life and my family's life at risk by doing so, but he took it, and he read it in secret, and he came to faith. And he shared it secretly with his wife, and she came to faith. And they shared it with their children, and they came to faith. And then it was found out. Elfaki lost his job as a, a teacher, a professor there in Sudan. He, he lost, you know, much of what he owned. He, he was then arrested. He was beaten. And one time so severely that he had a stroke, and he was literally dumped on the road to die. But I used to visit El Faki in their home uh, outside of Nashville, and often when I would walk in the door, the living room would be filled with people sitting on whatever chairs there were and on the floor, listening to him teach from the Word and speak from his testimony. And when I did his funeral, literally the family and I, we numbered hundreds of people that came to faith because of his testimony. In Sudan, he lost everything, and he lost his health, and he lost his strength, and he was paralyzed on his right side. But he and Anna both knew that when they came to faith, that was that was most important because they belonged to Jesus and they now had true peace. You know, all of us have probably felt this division. Sometimes we try to deny it, sometimes we try to ignore it, saying they'll come around. But when we truly ponder where a loved one is and, and where they stand in regards to trusting or believing and Christ is their Savior, we understand the pain. This morning I say to you, take comfort. For you who struggle and doubt because of divisions, know this, Jesus knows and he understands your pain. He knows all about divisions in the family. Remember when his family came and tried to take him captive because he was preaching and doing all of this and they thought somehow he might be possessed? Many of them rejected him until even after the resurrection. He understands. My dear friends, it says in our text, they will be divided, father against son, and son against the father. Isn't that what happened on the cross? Not because Jesus in any way had sinned, but because he bore your sin and my sin and the whole sins of the world on himself. He did that. He was separated. He was divided from the Father so that we might be forever reconciled to our Father in heaven. So how do you deal with division? How do you deal with this reality that either you are with him or against him? 
Well, remember, Jesus has been there. He comforts us, saying in John 16, In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Know that the victory is already yours. So keep on witnessing to them. Keep on bringing that testimony and that message to them. Do it gently. Do it lovingly. Do it from the heart. Remain yourself in the Word. Remain in worship. And let the Holy Spirit work in and through you that they too might come to experience what He alone offers. You know, the time is coming when the last great division will take place publicly in the world, when the day of judgment comes and He will separate those who believe on His right and those who do not believe on His left. And those who have courageously confessed the faith even to their unbelieving loved ones they will be confessed by Jesus before the Father where he says, everyone who acknowledges me before men, I will also acknowledge before my Father in heaven. Take heart. In heaven, there will be no more divisions. There, we will experience true and complete peace that comes through the Father and the gift of the Son's sacrifice alone. Amen.